You're listening to the Women in Western podcast hosted by Christina Miller and Cheyenne Draves, a lifestyle podcast where we discuss everything from faith to family, business and fitness with emphasis on the glam and grit of women in the Western lifestyle community. Grab a coffee and go for a walk or a drive. Let's chat and inspire each other to be the best version of ourselves. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Women in Western podcast. We are so excited to be with y'all today Um, and just kind of starting us out with our highlights for this week. Cheyenne, what was your highlight? So my highlight this week would have to be um, this past weekend, Josephine and I got on a plane and headed to Michigan. That's where my husband's family's from. Um, Christina's originally from there too. That side of the family is all from there. Um, But my sister-in-law, also Christina's cousin, she's getting married this October. So she had her bridal shower this weekend. And I was debating going because, um, you know, plane tickets have been so expensive, but we pulled the trigger and I made the trip out there just because Josephine hasn't seen her family out there in a while. And it was a really nice trip. Um, I flew Frontier, which I was really hesitant about because I am a flight snob. I like Southwest or die. Um, But Frontier was the only thing we could afford last minute. And thankfully, I had a very good experience. So that is definitely a highlight. I I won't risk it again, though. I will not be risking flying Frontier again. But we did have a good experience. Josephine did well on the flight there. She was a little uh, fussy on the way home last night. But it was a really good trip. The Michigan weather was insane. Um, it was so muggy and humid. Like, I don't know how you're doing it down in Texas, Christina, but the humidity killed me up there in Michigan. I could not do it. Um, but the shower was really beautiful. Alexa looked amazing and I can't wait for her wedding in October. So it'll be fun. Christina, what's your highlight? That's so exciting that y'all got to go. Um, I'm also a flight snob and I do not like to fly frontier. So I'm really glad that y'all had such a good experience with them this one time. Um, but my highlight of the week is going to be a little bit vague because I'm not exactly ready to share details, but it was huge because I had a big goal, um, on my goal sheet to cross off. And I was actually able to cross that off this weekend. So just a lot of excitement around um, being able to accomplish that. It feels so good to be able to cross that off on my sheet of goals. Um, And I'm excited, while I can't share any details about it right now, to share that stuff with y'all in the future. So big weekend, very excited. Sorry that it's so vague, y'all. No, I cannot wait for everyone to hear um, about this, you know, little highlight in this new venture. It um, definitely is going to be a testament to goal setting and making sure that you can cross off goals, which is, you know, you know, we love, we love the the goal setting and being able to accomplish those manifestation and prayer goes a long way. Yes, it does. We are big goal people. But uh, just jumping on into this week, uh, Cheyenne will be doing a solo episode. So Cheyenne, I will let you uh, take it away from here. Perfect. Let's get into it. Okay, ladies. So today we are going to be talking about grief when it comes to horses. And that's kind of like a hard topic. So, um, you know, this is going to be kind of a heavy episode, um, but I think it's something that's not really um, talked about in the Western industry a ton is um, losing a partner, a horse. It's a lot different than losing a dog or a cat. Um, 
in my opinion, because those are more of like your companion, whereas your horses are kind of like your athletic partner and they're a teammate. And it's just a whole different kind of loss. And I want to start out talking about grief when losing a horse, kind of what sparked and inspired this episode is a story of a friend of mine. Her name is Danielle, and she's a friend of mine in Southern California. And she recently went through the loss of a horse and she reached out to me actually kind of like letting me know that this story was something that she'd be willing to share. And I definitely think there's a way that we can add value through this story and kind of give you guys some advice on certain things. Um, to start it out, I did work in equine medicine at a vet teaching hospital for four years, and I've been working in equine medicine um, as a veterinary technician for about eight years now. So I do feel like I have a lot of, um, I don't want to say expertise, but I do have a lot of advice on things that can make um losing a horse or going through a a lot of trauma with your horse's health, um, to make that go a little easier, um, just to be more prepared about it. Because here's the thing about when a horse gets really sick, it can be really traumatic. Um, and it can be really fast paced and a lot of decisions, uh, big decisions that had to be made, have to be made in a very small amount of time. And usually we don't have that kind of time to make those big decisions. A lot of it comes with a lot of financial stipulations. So, um, that being said, I'm going to go ahead and get on into, um, this little story of my friend Danielle recently. Um, like I said, she reached out to me and told me that I could share this story. So, um, my friend Danielle had, purchased a colt, um, a little uh, sorrel mare. She was, I think, two years old when she purchased her. Her name was Opal. And she had really big plans for this little mare to um, have as a barrel horse. And it was the first colt she'd started, the first young horse. And she was really excited about her. Um, I have been floating this horse's teeth since, you know, she had gotten her. So I took her wolf teeth out, did, you know, all the things. And while this wasn't Danielle's only horse, it was her first, like I said, her first young horse that she was starting kind of from the ground up. And she was really excited about this mare. Um, and she, I remember had posted something on her Instagram story one night about, you know, saying prayers for her that she was going through something, um, that night and that, you know, the vet was there and that she would just need some prayers. And I saw this and I, I didn't want to reach out right away and overwhelm her. But later on, she told me the full story. So what had happened was her mare was acting colicky and she called the vet out and the vet came and rectaled her, passed a nasogastric tube, did all the diagnostics. And they came to the consideration that, you know, this mare was colicking really bad. I believe they gave her some banamine and tried to keep her a little comfortable, but she was continuing to be really painful. And, um, for those of you that experienced colic in your own horses, you know, that that means that's pretty much time to go. Um, the only real option at that point is to go to the hospital with your horse. And so having the vet out is one thing because ambulatory vets can only do so much. So when they're super painful and need a lot more treatment, um, going to the hospital is, you know, one of the only options. So, um, Danielle was able to get, um, a friend to help her trailer her horse to the hospital. And, um, you know, where she was located, it was pretty far away from her. So she got on the trailer, got her her to the hospital. And, um, you know, they recommended 
surgery, and that's a very hard decision because surgery can be upwards of ten thousand plus. Um, it's usually much more than ten thousand. That's usually the base price. And you know, they offered surgery and said that was probably going to be the best option for her. And Danielle said, you know, I, I don't have the funds for that. A lot of us do not. So she opted for at least medical management. So um, they put her on fluids and did the whole shebang. Oh, so have you. And um, Opal just continued to kind of deteriorate and not get better from the medical management. And so they had to make the really hard decision to euthanize. And um, that is probably every horse owner's worst nightmare. And from working at a vet hospital, I can tell you I've seen it multiple times. I've been a part of clients' worst day ever where they have to make that decision for their horse. And it is it's never easier. Um, so talking with Danielle after the fact about this story, um, she was just really shaken up. Obviously that's a huge loss. The mare was only three, I think like three and a half, um, which is really young to be experiencing colic like that. And so she, you know, was talking to me about things she regretted and things that she wish she knew and, and all those kind of things. And, I had a lot of advice for her because I had worked in an equine hospital and I think a lot of horse owners do not know these things and it leads to a lot of guilt and a lot of regret when they're put into these situations with horses. So if you are a horse owner or you plan on owning horses in your future, I highly suggest you take a listen because I have a lot of advice um, to be prepared with your horse for these kind of things and just to be more well-informed. So when your horse colics. Obviously, you know, that's a really big issue. So hopefully you have already have an established relationship with your ambulatory veterinarian that comes to your place. And a lot of them will recommend that you have certain things on hand in order to kind of take care of these situations quickly and avoid um, having to wait hours and hours for a vet. Because sometimes this happens at, you know, midnight, 2 a.m. and we don't have the resources um, and we're having to call the vet and they can't get out there in time. So um, make sure, step number one is just to make sure that you are well prepared and you ask your vet to have certain things on hand, like some banamine. You can have just the tube kind, like the paste that goes in their mouth. Um, if you're comfortable with intravenous injections, then you can get the IV banamine and that way you can give it IV and it works a little faster. But having things like that on hand in order to kind of remedy colic episodes or at least hold the horse over and keep them less painful until um, your veterinary professional can get to your place. Um, that being said, um, making sure that you do have a really well-established relationship with your vet so they're willing to come out at 2 a.m. because there's plenty of horse owners out there that do not have a regular vet and I think it's really important to have a relationship with your vet so they are willing to come out at those 2 a.m. calls because a lot of vets, you know, don't want to come out to someone that they've never seen before if, you know, they're not like a regular client of whoever they're on call for, if that makes sense. So establishing a relationship is key. Then, you know, if the vet comes, works the horse up, um, it's a lot of times, you know, if they're colicking really bad, they will have the option that they need to refer the horse. And referring the horse to a hospital is always scary because when we think the horse is going to the hospital, we immediately think surgery. And that's not the case because hospitals not only have the option for surgery, but they 
also have the option to hospitalize the horse with IV fluids. That's something that we cannot have around the clock at home and just around the clock care, around the clock um, lavaging of the stomach, uh, you know, trying to check for reflux off the stomach with a nasogastric tube kept in place, that kind of thing. There's a lot of options for the hospital. So when a vet tells you that they want to refer to a hospital, don't get scared right away because um, it can just mean hospitalization, which is, you know, could be just a couple thousand as opposed to 10, 15,000. That being said, um, with hospitals, make sure that you're really familiar with what equine hospitals are close to you in the area. So I'm really lucky. I'm really lucky in Northern Colorado. I can think of just like four hospitals off the top of my head right now that are within an hour of me. A lot of people aren't that lucky. Um, Growing up in Southern California, Northern LA area, there weren't that many hospitals that were super, super accessible and super close. Um, But just if you own a horse, you need to know where the hospitals are near you. And that being said as well, it is very important to think about this um, before you have to make that decision. So If a vet comes and tells you we need to refer the horse to the hospital, be realistic ahead of time. So right now, your horse is perfectly healthy out in the field. You need to think, if this horse were to colic bad enough to where I would need to take this horse to the hospital and spend, you know, two, three thousand dollars for medical management, would that be worth it? And a lot of people think that not being able to not even not being, well, not being able to afford a ten dollars to $15,000 surgery, but not be willing to spend two to $3,000 on hospitalization for that horse. A lot of people think that that means you're a bad person. And coming from someone who worked at a hospital and has seen a lot of stuff in veterinary medicine, it is very important that you know, and I'm talking to all of you guys out there that are kind of balling on a budget, you know, don't have it in their budget to spend thousands of dollars on a vet bill. It's very important to know that if you make that decision for that particular horse, it's not worth taking him to the hospital because I don't want to put him through that. He's older. He's this. He's that. He doesn't do well in those settings. If that's how he goes, that's how he's going to go. That does not make you a bad horse owner. That makes you an advocate for that animal. Um, You know, I've dealt with horses that are 25 years old and, you know, they're already enjoying the rest of their life happily. They call it bad. And there's owners that say, I I really don't think I want to put a few thousand dollars into this horse because he could call it again. And, you know, his quality of life is going to go down because he's so old. That does not make you a bad person for making that decision. That makes you an informed and prepared horse owner. And I can tell you right now, I have two horses, well, three horses, one miniature and two big horses standing out in my field right now. And I have different plans for each one of what, if something happened, what I would do for each one, because they're all different in a certain way. And they're, um, you know, just what, where they fit into in our life is all in different ways. So there's going to be different decisions made for each one. And that being said, if this horse standing out in the field is your heart horse, you still cannot, um, technically afford like a $2,000 vet bill or a, you know, $10,000 colic surgery. A big key that you need to look into is 
equine insurance and insurance for your horse and kind of breaking down what that is, is for insurance, there's, um, mortality. So if your horse, you know, were to pass away, that just means that you would get whatever that horse is worth in value as far as money, but there's also major medical. And so paying extra for insurance would ensure that you have money for colic surgery or even um, hospital treatments and researching insurance, uh, equine insurance, and really talking to the agent about what's included for each scenarios and and stuff that would happen. Um, If, you know, it's not a horse that you think will not do well with medical management, if you have a, a relatively healthy horse that you think will do well being managed medically or managed surgically, um, but finances is the only issue, really consider equine insurance because it was probably only a couple hundred extra a year. You can split it up um, over the course of the year. But what that eliminates is that eliminates the decision that you have to make at 3 a.m. in that you know, hospital when you've been up all night and very emotional about this colicking horse, because instead of just having to deal with the emotional trauma of having to treat that horse and be there for that horse, you have to make the decision. And it makes you feel like a really, really crappy person. If you think this horse can make it through surgery and you, you know, know that this horse has the heart to go on, but you can't afford it. Now, the flip side of that, this is this episode's all over the place and what my goal is with this episode and, you know, with Danielle being so gracious of letting me share her story is I just want you as a listener and a horse owner to be informed about options for your horse and what makes you a good person and decisions you make and decisions you make do not make you a bad person. Um so that being said, you can have your horse be insured for all the money in the world. You can have every single procedure covered with insurance and send them to surgery. They get cut open. They find what's wrong. They fix it. So the horse back up. Horse recovers beautifully, goes into the stall at the hospital to recover, and that horse can have terrible complications to recover, and that horse can go or that horse can go home and then colic again in six months and need surgery again. So that being said, you have to make the decision of surgery lightly because that horse isn't guaranteed to do well post-op for the rest of its life. A lot of horses that colic once are, you know, repeat offenders and they will colic again. So making sure that you're deciding for each individual horse you have, okay, let's look at this horse's health. Is this horse, you know, going to make it okay through surgery? Is this horse's quality of life already, you know, compromised because of his age or health condition and then putting him through colic treatment or colic surgery, is that going to make it even worse? Um, you know, looking at that. And then if you're having the horse insured, looking at their quality of life, if they do, um, have surgery when finances are not an you know, not an issue anymore. Um, because eliminating that financial situation and that financial burden with insurance definitely alleviates, you know, the, that decision, but then you have to make the decision of putting this horse through surgery. Is that what is best for the horse? So like I said, um, it is just pertinent that you just look at every single horse that you have right now, um, kind of go through and prepare and say, what am I going to have? You know, what am I, what is my plan for this horse? If he were to go through X, Y, and Z in the next, you know, couple of in the next few months, um, and revisit that plan, you know, so the same horse this year that might 
be insured and, you know, me wanting to make the decision for him to go to surgery, that could change next year. If, you know, certain health things change, you know, the horse is getting older, that kind of thing. So just being prepared in that sense, I cannot stress enough, um, as a horse owner for you to just be prepared for those really hard decisions to make. And I cannot stress enough just to look into insurance. And if you do not think that a horse that you have, um, is, I don't want to say worthy because that's a really, um, he's just not a candidate for insurance. Like, like I said, this can be an older horse in your field that's already enjoying retirement, or this can be a horse that you rescued that's already been through so much. And if, you know, something were to happen, you wouldn't want to put him through any much more. Horses don't want to live in pain. I'll tell you that right now. Um, horses would much rather be in peace than living in, in so much pain and having to deal with a bunch of trauma. Um, so, if there is a horse that you have that insurance isn't an option for, being really comfortable in that decision for that horse is key because that makes, you know, the the decisions in the traumatic situations much easier because you say, no, like the hospital is not an option for him. So we're going to do the best we can here out in the field with the ambulatory vet. And if that doesn't work, we know that that's, you know, his, that's the best for this horse. Um, and being really comfortable in your decision, if you take a horse to the hospital and, you know, that veterinary staff gives you the prognosis of surgery, you know, based on that horse's diagnosis, um, what's going on colic-wise, being able to be really firm in that decision of, you know what, no, surgery is not the option for this horse and having no regrets in that because there is a big, you know, um, it's a big issue having a lot of regret like that at the end of an animal's life. And so in this episode, I'm just trying to prepare you to, to try to get prepared as best you can so you don't have to have regrets in those decisions. And talking to my friend Danielle after losing her mare, um, you know, I, I was able to help her out a lot because she felt so guilty that she couldn't put this mare through surgery and that she couldn't afford more and she couldn't do more. And in me telling her, you know, horses that get cut for surgery are likely to call again. She's so young. So this might be, you know, a thing that happens again. And, you know, recovery is not easy. So looking at that mare and seeing that she'll have weeks, months of recovery post-op, is that the best thing you want for that animal, you know, or would you rather just let her rest after a really, really hard, um, colic episode? And that helped my friend out a lot. And she said that no one really talked to her about that. So like I said, um, just trying to prepare you all as horse owners. I know this is a really sad and, um, triggering topic. I know a lot of us have lost horses before and, you know, even animals before and had regrets, but I just want all of you guys to be so prepared. Cause like I said, in the hospital setting, I see so many clients come through that do not, you know, they're not prepared and, um, those decisions get so much harder. So making those decisions now makes those events just a slightly, just slightly easier. Um, and kind of the, the second part of this episode, I kind of wanted to talk about, um, and Danielle kind of pointed this out. Um, I kind of mentioned it early in this episode, but losing a horse is so much different than losing a dog or a cat, um, or like a companion animal because, you know, your dog is definitely viewed as your companion. It's someone that, you know, your dog is with you every day, following you around. They're like your little buddy. They sleep in your bed with you. 
And horses, it's a lot different because traditionally horses are viewed as livestock. So they're farm animals, um, they're out and about, and people sometimes have a harder time connecting with their horse, much like they do their dog. Um, I know I'm someone that it took me a while into my um, adult life. I've always loved horses, but I didn't really have a special connection with one particular horse or have my heart horse until I was like 22, I think is when I bought my heart horse and and really understood what that meant. So horses before that to me, you know, I loved them, um, but I didn't have a special connection with them. And I think in losing a horse, sometimes that can be viewed by society or, you know, kind of like the old fashioned Western way of, you know, it's, it's just a horse and you guys and I both know that that's not true. Um, and it's definitely a little, um, hard to have to go through that loss and know that there's like kind of a stigma of at least it wasn't like a person, or at least it wasn't your dog or cat when, I personally think that losing a horse is so much harder um, than having to lose sometimes a dog. I personally think it is harder because your horses, a lot of times you have them for so much longer. They can live 25, 30 years, and that's such a big part of your life. And I'm not demeaning the bond between a human and a dog because their life is shorter because, trust me, I have (laughs) my dog that I've had for eight years now, and she's my best friend. But your horse, you know, is around for so long and they aren't your companion. They're more of your teammate and your partner because events that you do with them and riding them and competing with them, it's something that you're not doing by yourself. You have to do with that, um, athletic partner and they can roll over and and crush you in a second. They can get you off every single time. Like any horse, if they didn't want you on their back, they could get you off your back. Any horse that if they didn't want you to get on them, they wouldn't let you get on them. So the fact that you have this partner, this equine partner that lets you hop on their back and kind of like direct them and what you want them to do and then do that with you, I believe that makes that bond so much different than any other kind of bond with any other kind of species. And so losing a horse is definitely, I think, its own kind of own kind of um, category of loss. It is just like immensely, immensely hard. So wrapping up um, this really heavy episode, and like I said, you know, these this episode is really hard, and a lot of our episodes are way more um, fun, um, but I just felt like this had to be said. Um, just to wrap up, um, just make sure that as a horse owner, you are doing your best um, in order to keep that horse's health top-notch, feed quality hay, um, supplement when you need to, always ha- make sure that they have clean water, um, clean access to water all the time, and just talk with your veterinarian on best ways to prevent colic. And just know a lot of times, too, colic is not preventable. Um, it's one of those things where a horse can look at a butterfly and colic, you know, like sometimes we just don't know what causes it. Um, but there are some things that we can do that prevent it as best as we can. So just make sure you're on the same page with your um, vet doing your best to keep those horses healthy and um, just research to a lot of things. Um, Just being well-informed is the best that you can do as a horse owner. So 
I hope that this episode has helped you all out. Um, I did this episode in honor of Opal, the little red mare, and I hope that you guys can get something from this episode as a horse owner. So, um, like I said, it's a little short this week and a little sad, but I hope you guys got value from it. So we will see you guys next Wednesday for a happier episode, but until then, make sure you're following us on Instagram at the Women in Western podcast and make sure to subscribe and review on Spotify and Apple, and we will see you guys next week. 